Welcome to the Counselors of Real Estate's Top 10 in 20 podcast series. In these 20-minute episodes, we'll discuss one of the prevailing top 10 issues affecting real estate. I'm Deborah Cloutier, President and Founder of ReTech Advisors in Falls Church, Virginia, and Chair of the Counselors of Real Estate's External Affairs Committee that develops the annual Top 10 list. Counselors of Real Estate are trusted advisors solving the world's most complex real estate challenges. Experienced, innovative, and credentialed problem solvers, counselors practice in 20 countries and offer expertise in more than 50 real estate disciplines across all asset classes. Each has earned the prestigious CRE designation. Our guest for this episode is Scott Maldavin, a leading investor, consultant, and nonprofit leader in real estate for more than 35 years. He is the founder and executive director of the Green Building Finance Consortium, leading the movement to integrate sustainability, health, and wellness into real estate investment decisions. Scott is the author of more than 225 articles and books. He's also authored the narrative supporting the number six issue on this year's compilation of the top 10, The Flow of People. COVID-19 has been the number one issue and resonates through each of the other nine. Welcome, Scott. Hi, how are you doing, Deb? Great, thank you. So nice to have you with us today. So migration has been reduced due to nationalistic policies in the U.S. and around the world. Can you briefly explain how that lack of mobility is threatening economies and equity? Yeah, the the key theme here is the flexibility for people to move to either uh, the available jobs or to, to move where they can get a better job. And if you can't do that, then people are trapped in bad economies or in for refugees or others that are in dangerous or other kinds of situations. But essentially, migration, both within the U.S. and internationally, has driven productivity growth and economies worldwide for many, many years. You mentioned in your article the severe humanitarian challenges that are emerging as a result of these mobility limitations. Can you briefly discuss this issue? Yes. Uh, internationally, there are, were 270 million migrants in 2019. These are people that are moving in and between countries. And now, uh, after COVID-19, and actually prior to that, with a lot of the nationalistic policies uh, in the U.S. and China and other places around the world, migration um, has gone to nearly a standstill. And so this has been particularly difficult for the 70 million displaced people. These are refugees from Syria and Venezuela and all over the world. And it's given them no place to go. They have almost no options. In the U.S., for, um, for the prior 20 or 30 years, we've averaged 100 to 200,000 uh, refugees in, coming into our country. We were down to less than 10,000 in 2019, and that's almost been cut out now. So um, these are a, it's a, just a huge issue because the virus is a big issue with those folks. They're trapped. They have nowhere to go. And um, so, again, it's a humanitarian, really a crisis. How do you see these changes affecting real estate demand across the different real estate sectors? I'm assuming they impact them differently. Yeah, let's, let me just talk um, 
briefly about what the mobility challenges are. And I guess I'll focus on the U.S. and they have similarities um, to the world. And then from there, we can talk about that demand. You need to understand that. And in the U.S., we've had a, um, uh, we were aggressively anti-immigration prior to COVID. And since COVID has started, our uh, immigration, we've had visa and passport offices closed. We've had immigration bans. We've had attempts to stop universities from bringing in immigrants. And so we essentially just have uh, a lack of flow. And you have to understand in the context of the U.S., a country where 17% of all workers in the U.S. are migrants, including our healthcare workers, and over 30% of the workers in places like Texas and Florida and California are, are migrants. And so, um, so that's been a huge mobility challenge for migration coming in. Then you have all the, uh, the quarantine policies within states. You know, New York and Chicago and a few others now require 14-day um, quarantines. I think New York just announced today they're going to be enforcing that. And you have restrictions locally about what shelter in place or related types of restrictions. But most important to the actual question of demand relates to um, voluntary restrictions that people are putting on. You had a, a recent article showed that 90, even though the offices are now open in New York City, 90% of the people have not chosen to return to those offices. And you have um, older and immune um, deficient people, which, you know, like 100 million people, including myself, that are really questioning their, their desire to want to move places. Um, and then you finally have the virus that's not under control, which is, is making a lot of uncertainty. So you have all those mobility challenges. And now I'm happy to address the question of, of demand. Um, let's talk about the office space first. And that's kind of confusing. We know that sublease space just recently has really been going up. And that's usually a leading indicator of problems with demand. You have um, most businesses, I think 60% of, of the larger businesses of the people that are in these surveys are um, moving towards a mix of remote and in-office in space. So that's gonna, and that allows people to space because we have less people in the office. And now we have technology and innovation to help that. Um, and you also have physical changes that are increasing the amount of space because you have to have a lot. So you have some increases in demand, but also de decreases from the remote. Uh, a lot of changes in the way offices are used, but I do think that the demand for offices, again, if COVID wasn't here, what we'd be talking about is a Great Depression level economic collapse. And that alone, I think it's something that's not taken into consideration about the overall effect on demand from that. So, so we talked about that with Hugh Kelly in another podcast, how the economic um, downturn and and the extension that these signs were on were all here before COVID hit. It was just exacerbated dramatically, uh, very quickly due to COVID. Right. So yeah. So that let's talk about retail. Obviously, it's a huge impact. Again. As Hugh pointed out in his article, which I fortunately read, um, it's an exacerbation uh, and actually uh, of a trend that we're already incurring. The huge problem with the retailers themselves, everybody's read about all the bankruptcies, Neiman Marcus and Men's Warehouse and on and on and uh, 
Bed and Bath and Beyond and all these, these people that are the staples of a lot of the retail properties. So that is um, um, restaurants, open table reservations just on August 4th yesterday were still 65% below they, what they were a year ago. So you have a, a tremendous problem and a lot of retailers needing to uh, redo things, but you have also because of the uncertainty and risk, the availability of capital into that sector is very limited. So retail has got a very tough road ahead and um, hospitality, again, another huge impact, a lot of uncertainty um, relative to a vaccine, how that might affect these things. But, um, you know, Hotel revenues are still 45% down from this last week from what they were a year ago. So still a tremendous problem. Again, a big capital issue because they also need to make capital investment. And, um, and that's a big issue. Industrial going gangbusters before reasons that were occurring prior to COVID and even more so as online retail and, and um, just in time and getting things quicker and more efficient. Uh, multifamily is interesting. Regional, very significant regional variations in what's going on. Essentially, you have a tremendous increase in the number of young people, including all the students who aren't renting apartments in university towns, moving back in with their parents. In places like California, prior to COVID, where you have a lot high housing, you already had 30 or 40 percent of people under 32 living at home. So this is a trend that's already there, but it's been exasperated. And you also have uh, the, the other depression level economic issue with the lack of unemployment insurance being pushed forward and eviction controls. We have a huge potential issue with homelessness and affordable housing that was already bad. So, so those are some of the things, and again, it, you know, there's near-term and short-term and regional variations, but those are some of the issues that are out there. You mentioned several of the long-term issues that are going to have an effect for the long-term for us, and, and COVID-19 is creating particular challenges to states with typically high inbound migration patterns. You mentioned Florida, Arizona, Nevada. What do you see as the longer-term impact on state economies as many workers may be forced to relocate to find employment, for example. Yeah, I guess um, there's huge, at least in the near term, as people can't even move between states and, and it's very, very difficult, um, huge equity issues. You know, what is it? I don't know, 80% of the job loss has been in people 40,000 and you know, you know, people that don't have a lot of money, people in the service industry, very different than prior recessions. This is a service industry recession. And so uh, huge uh, equity issues. Also those growth areas like Texas and Florida and Arizona, huge construction demand that even prior to COVID, they couldn't find enough construction workers and service workers and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as people are losing their job, maybe there can be some balance. Um, but the bigger longer term issue for a place like uh, you, know, La, you know, Nevada, how are the casinos going to fall out of this? You know, and where is that going to, going to happen? That's going to be a huge issue. And that, how are elderly, the older population going to think about Florida and Arizona as a retirement community um, based on what's happened so far? Again, these near term, these are huge issues. And the question is, 
depending on how things roll out and how these responses go, um, those are other issues. So there's, um, you know, just a lot of, I guess, if we don't change the U.S.'s anti-immigration policies, and that may happen with a with the vote in, in November, um, but though that that's hugely bad for our economy. Immigrants have driven our economy for so long. It's actually our secret sauce relative to the rest of the world, relative to pension problems. We you got to have young people and economic growth and productivity growth, and without immigrants. Um, so people that think it's building our economy to, to be anti-immigrant are really cutting their, you know, are, I don't know the same, but it's bad. Right, right. Well, let's narrow our focus a little bit, too, to urban versus suburban markets. A recent Harris poll showed that nearly 40% of urbanites are considering fleeing the cities as concerns about the virus and other economic um, effects of the pandemic take hold. Is this urban-suburban flight real, and should central business district building owners be concerned? Um, yes, they, they should have some concern, but the reality about urban-suburban is even though people felt like people were coming to the urban areas over the last number of years, actually the suburbs have continued to grow in population over the last 20 years, uh, despite what's been completely different is that the urban areas have captured the wealthy. So you've had a reverse migration of more wealthy and white um, people moving into cities, which has been very powerful for the growth of, of these cities. And so what I see with COVID-19 is that there is going to be um, you know, reconsiderations of, the, of those kinds of issues and, and, and density issues. And um, uh, there's just a lot of being able to remote work. I mean, I have a daughter, she's 32, she lives in DC, works there. They've allowed her to work remotely. She's moved back to California uh, and where she wanted to live and she's working remotely internationally. So there's a lot to be thinking about. Um, trends that would actually push for back to densification is people are delaying marriage and they are, you know, they're, they are, they're not exactly ready to move into the suburbs and start big families yet. And so those could be some offsetting trends, but that, that's one that we just need to wait, wait and see. A lot of swirling trends around housing for sure. Um, affordable housing was another top 10 issue that uh, is plaguing many societal concerns about just the crisis of not having enough of it. And I think many of the things you talk about are, are going to continue to influence um, housing directions. So let's talk a little bit about the investors, the owners, the asset managers. They need to increasingly be cognizant of where the migration is happening and potentially adjust their long-term strategies to meet these patterns. How difficult is it to accomplish this and what advice might you give for consideration? Yeah, it's no doubt difficult. What the killer in real estate or in anybody planning anything is uncertainty. Risk I can deal with, I can price it, I can mitigate it, I can think about it. Uncertainty is the real killer and that's why we need national policies, a program and a plan that we can kind of rely upon. So I think that those things will occur uh, and it will get better. But I think what you can do is with um, the growth in the uh, environmental, social, and governments, or ESG movement, and some of the hurricane and other issues, we have the issue of resilience, which is really just 
take, been taken over as a huge investment issue. So a lot of the planning for COVID relates and mobility issues in general relates to the concept of resilience. And we've become much, much better analytically with innovations in data collection and just the thinking. And, it, and um, we've done work in the counselors in the past that shows that a lot of these unpredictable kinds of things, you can actually predict and address and plan for. So I think there are going to be continued innovations in the, in the sector that are going to be um, really powerful. And I think the big calls for investors, it's not just about, um, well, there are some emerging funds that are going after low price retail and hospitality. I mean, that always happens when markets go bad, you have you know, kind of vulture funds come in and figure it out. The bigger calls for the big institutional investors or others is what do I, is like, do I buy or sell? I mean, do I buy more suburban office properties and, and, and downplay my allocation to downtown office? And make, those buy sell decisions are gonna be really, really interesting. And um, a lot of it will come out of what happens with some of the leasing. What, what's gonna happen with being able to enforce leases? and ability to be able to people be able to pay in bankruptcy. So those are big issues. Another big one is capital investment. We're talking about adaption and change, not just for COVID, but for climate change and other types mm -hmm. of resilience issues. And can we get the capital? And how do you, um, if I have an office, but I actually have to invest physically in the space, both whether it's interior or tenant or or for the larger building, whether it's ventilation system or the weather, how do I make decisions about allocating very scarce capital dollars um, and retailers and hospitality, it's all the same. And so I think some of those are gonna be um, very, very interesting in the coming years, operating costs and capital investment. And I think you've really just shown us in, the, in your last remarks how interrelated the top 10 issues are. I mean capital markets, public-private indebtedness, we didn't even touch on infrastructure, but the flow of people and the migration um, is going to be impacting real estate allocations and decision-making, right, heavily in the, in the coming months. So thank you very much, Scott. We're grateful for your insight on migration and mobility, an issue that will continue to have a profound impact on society and the real estate industry. Join us next time for another discussion of one of the top 10 issues affecting real estate. I'm Deborah Cloutier on behalf of the Counselors of Real Estate. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Top 10 in 20.